Welcome to Success the Last, a podcast that honestly explores the complicated topic of success. I'm your host, Jared Siegel. I'm a partner at DeLap and leader of our wealth advisory practice. During each episode, we're going to talk to a business owner, entrepreneur, real estate investor, or industry thought leader about their own experiences, insights, and observations as it pertains to life, business, finances, and ultimately fulfillment. Candidly, it can be lonely at the top. Our desire is to use this podcast to connect you with the ideas and resources so you can be better equipped to make more predictable, profitable, and rewarding decisions as you juggle the competing priorities of life, business, and money. Keep in mind, this is a podcast. It's not meant to be a replacement for your CPA or financial advisor, so be sure to check with the appropriate professionals before implementing any of the ideas. Welcome back to another episode. There was recently an update to the proposed tax changes that have long been percolating back in Washington, D.C. Thus, we wanted to give you a summary of the recent version released. Before we get started, I wanted to specifically thank and acknowledge Jeffrey Levine for his help in precisely summarizing a rather lengthy and complicated proposal. Given that this is just a draft at this point and is still subject to potentially substantial change, I'm going to try to thread the needle here by avoiding getting too into the weeds while also giving you enough information to answer some of the questions that might be bouncing around your head and give you enough time to start formulating potential planning strategies. Let's start with income tax changes. The proposal includes a new top ordinary income tax bracket of 39.6%. This rate would apply to a single filer with taxable income in excess of $400,000 a year or a joint filer with taxable income in excess of $450,000 a year. The 32% bracket would be modestly compressed, meaning less income would fit in this bracket before you get bumped to the next bracket, while the 35% bracket would be substantially compressed, further increasing the tax liability that an income taxpayer would be subject to relative to current rates. Our take on this aspect of the proposal is that the biggest losers here are those with taxable incomes between $400,000 and $1 million, as they see the greatest increase on the average rate paid across their income. Shifting gears from ordinary income to the proposed changes with capital gains, there would be a new top capital gains rate of 25%. This would apply to long-term capital gains attributable to incomes over $400,000 for single filers and $450,000 for joint filers. Note, this is a much lower top rate than the originally proposed 39.6%. If enacted as the proposal is currently written, the new top tax rate of 25% is already in effect. The start date on the new capital gains rate would be September 14th, 2021. However, there is an exception for a binding contract that's already in place prior to the September 14th date. Additional details are needed to better understand how this is defined and how it would be applied. Now, keep in mind, this is currently just a proposal, and it's subject to changes, potentially substantial changes, in the weeks to come. Maybe some of the biggest news as it pertains to the capital gains tax and the related planning techniques is the proposal includes no elimination nor any limitations of step-up and basis, which was previously proposed by Biden. The step-up and basis at death remains unlimited. Our preliminary take here is that the biggest losers relative to the Biden proposals are once again those with incomes between $400,000 and $1 million. Notably, they would have seen no increase in their top capital gains rate under the original Biden proposal because while the top tax rate would have been significantly higher, it wasn't actually going to kick in until incomes of about a million dollars. But now they face potentially 5% greater long-term capital gains rate at the federal level. 
The current proposal includes some tweaks to the 3.8% net investment income tax effective 2022. The 3.8% surtax would begin to apply to S-Corp profits of high-income earners once modified adjusted gross incomes exceed $400,000 for single filers and $500,000 for joint filers. The precise formula is somewhat complicated within a phase-in range, but to keep things more simplified, once single filers have modified adjusted gross income in excess of $450,000 or joint filers have modified adjusted gross income in excess of $600,000, they'll owe 3.8% on the lesser of their adjusted gross income over their $400,000 or $500,000 respective thresholds or their total S-Corp profits. It's worth noting that this is based upon adjusted gross income, so charitable contributions and other itemized deductions won't help to reduce this tax burden. Coupled with increases in the regular ordinary income tax rates, this takes the top rate for high-earning S-Corp owners to 43.4% when you factor in the top rate of 39.6% plus the net investment income tax of 3.8%. Unless they have more than $5 million of income, in which case they would be subjected to the new proposed 3% surtax on incomes over $5 million annually. Note that by applying this as a surtax on adjusted gross income rather than just a top ordinary income tax bracket, below-the-line deductions, like massive charitable contributions, won't reduce the tax. From a political persuasion perspective, Democrats can still say that the proposed top tax rates are just 39.6%. Given the high income threshold, fewer taxpayers would ever actually be subject to the surtax. That said, we would really want to be particularly intentional with clients that had large gains expected from the sale of a property or a business, which are more likely to be temporary and push them over the threshold. Unfortunately, the news is not nearly as good for trusts. The surtax would impact trusts with income in excess of just $100,000. Now let's transition from the proposed income and capital gains tax changes to the proposed changes related to retirement accounts. The proposal included a future prohibition on Roth conversions for those with high income effective in 2032. Taxpayers with income in excess of the applicable threshold would be prohibited from making a Roth conversion. The applicable adjusted taxable income thresholds are as follows. Single filers with income in excess of $400,000 or joint filers with adjusted taxable income in excess of $450,000. The proposal also includes a prohibition on Roth conversions of after-tax dollars effective January 1st, 2022. This would be an end to the backdoor and mega backdoor Roth strategies previously utilized by higher income earners. The proposal includes a new required minimum distribution for high-income earners and high-net-worth clients. Note, you need to have both for this proposed change to be applicable to you effective January 1st of 2022. To the extent that your income exceeds the applicable threshold and you have retirement account balances in excess of $10 million, you would be subject to the additional required minimum distribution. The applicable income thresholds are as follows. Single filers with $400,000 of income or joint filers with $450,000 of income. Note that these amounts are adjusted taxable income, just like the Roth prohibition thresholds discussed earlier. This new proposed required minimum distribution would be equal to 100% of the total retirement account balance in excess of $20 million plus 50% of total retirement account balances in excess of $5 million. The excess retirement account balances must come first from Roth IRAs, 
then from Roth 401k accounts, and then after those two accounts have been exhausted, from pre-tax accounts like traditional IRAs. Some of the other proposed retirement account-related changes include a statute of limitations for prohibited transaction and valuation issues would go from three to six years, and IRA owners could no longer use IRA funds to invest in private businesses in which they're more than a 10% owner in the company. The tax proposal also includes a prohibition on the use of IRA funds to purchase assets with net worth or income education and licensing requirements. These are often associated with a private placement type investment where you need to be an accredited investor. I suspect a lot of these proposed changes were inspired by billionaire Peter Thiel. Over the past 20 years, Thiel has quietly turned his Roth IRA into a monstrous tax-exempt piggy bank. Using startup and venture capital investments, Thiel has taken a retirement account worth less than $2,000 in 1999 to turn it into a $5 billion portfolio. Let's turn our attention to the estate tax changes. Because this is just a proposal and it's subject to change, I wanted to provide just the very highest level overview of the estate tax changes that would be effective 2022. The proposal includes a reduction in the unified credit amount effective January 1st, 2022. The estate and gift tax exclusion would essentially be cut in half. This seems like a very probable outcome. Accordingly, single clients with assets in excess of $6 million and married clients with assets in excess of $12 million would be subject to the estate tax. So affected clients might consider a gift to maximize the current exemption. Another notable change to the estate code would be what appears to be a crackdown on the grantor trust planning strategies. Language in this particular section of the proposal is a little rough, but it seems as though the intentionally defective grantor trust would no longer be a viable strategy. Transfers between grantor and grantor trusts would be treated as a sale. And finally, the proposal includes the elimination of valuation discounts, such as no more discount for lack of marketability and minority ownership. Let me say it one more time, don't panic just yet. This is merely a current proposal, and it's definitely subject to change. The whole point was to provide a high-level summary of the current proposal in 10 minutes or less. We skipped over many parts of the proposal that we felt wouldn't have as much of a material impact on our clients, such as a child tax credit, a new caregiver credit, and a limit on excess business losses, just to name a few. So as you've heard us say time and time again, we can add a lot more value through proactive planning than we can through economic predictions. So the real call to action would be to revisit your plan to reach out to your team here at DeLap and make sure that you're taking advantage of all the current planning opportunities that the current and proposed changes represent. We'll be back next week with some more new content. And until then, be well.